Good morning. Morning. How are you doing? Doing very good. Good to see you. Good to see you guys. Still getting set up here. Good morning. Hey. All right. Well, I think I'm ready. Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to uh, Hope Church live from our bedroom. Our new, it's my new office. Um, pretty sure this is not what they uh, anyone anticipated teaching us in seminary. This goes on the list of new experiences to learn from. Um, first off, I would say, right, if, if you have technical difficulties, reach out afterwards. Uh, we'll, we'll get you a copy of what's recorded and hopefully figure out what went wrong and we'll try and fix it for next week. And uh, thank you for your prayers and, and keep continuing to, to lift up one another in prayer and keeping in touch with one another. It's one of the best things we can do with technology these days. Uh, I think I think we might even have a, a friend tune in from Uganda so we with technology we can we can stay connected. Um, well in a moment here I'm going to read from 2 Kings chapter 5. Uh, I'm going to pause from our study of Colossians just to talk a little bit about how the gospel applies to life when things aren't going according to our plans. And that's what this story is about. So I think I can actually share my screen here. Let me, uh, let me do that for you. So you should be able to see the scripture. All right, this is God's word. It says, Naaman, the commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor, because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the, the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him the 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me now, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, 
and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away saying, behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the rivers of Israel, the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And this is God's word. It is true and trustworthy and given in love. Uh, let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you hold us in all our times in your hands, and as we hear the gospel and see it portrayed for us in the story of Naaman and the little, this little girl, um, help us hear you say again to us, don't be afraid, for I am with you. I will strengthen you, help you, and uphold you with my omnipotent right hand. So we pray this in Jesus' name, who loves us and gave himself up for us. Amen. Like I said, I don't know about you, but this has been a week that is far from normal. <laughs> Anxiety-inducing for sure. Um, disorienting. We all in some way feel vulnerable, exposed. Um, it's really hard for me to, to not just stay tuned to this thing and just keep checking, getting updates from all over the world to see what's going on. And, and really all the information is telling us in each, each and every day, is that we currently live in the valley of the shadow of death. And the most difficult part, especially for me as any human being, um, one, I fight a cold, so you had that anxiety. But two, really, the, the most difficult part was dealing with the fact that we were be, being shown I'm not in control. Uh, any illusion I had of being the captain of my fate and the master of my soul has been shattered. I mean, how about you? And that's where we get this great story of Naaman and his slave girl that shows us how God in his sovereignty, in his power, and in his grace um, speaks to our anxieties, speaks to our troubles, and, and shows us how he leads us to a place of, of trust as well, maybe even health and wholeness. Um, but, but definitely a place of trust. And so how, how do we do that? We're going to just look at part of the story today. And we're just going to talk about Naaman's trouble. And then we'll look at how Naaman was healed and, and the pattern that God uses that we, we receive in the gospel. So if you, you think about Naaman, he's this great man. He's successful. He's a, a commander of the Syrian army. It says he's high in favor. Um, all the important people like him, he's respected. Power, money, success, and comfort is what he has come to be, to be used to, what to expect. That's his normal. And yet Naaman is also Israel's enemy. Right? If you're picturing geography, Syria is bordering Israel on the north. And part of the reason Naaman is successful and comfortable and has money and power 
is at the cost of God's people's lives, um, including taking this young girl. Young girl can mean anything from, from infancy to age 11 or 12. So a young girl. He's a, he's a kidnapper. Right? And then it says, he was a mighty man of valor. He's a, he's a mighty warrior, but he was a leper. Right? But he had trouble. And this is part of the reason I picked this passage is you have this picture of a person who, who's just, we're used to being comfortable. Uh, we're used to being in control. We're used to having some sort of power over what we do each day. And uh, alongside that comes this divine, nope. <laughs> it says, but he was a leper. And for Naaman, it's simple yet traumatic. Um, this idea of leprosy is a skin disease. Um, maybe it's Hansen's disease that we're familiar with. Um, it could be any kind of contagious skin disease, but it obviously required extreme social distancing measures. And so what Naaman was facing, I imagine with all kinds of fear and trembling, with losing his job, his family, his social network, his position, his wealth, he would be ostracized and left outside the community. He was facing physical, social, and spiritual alienation. Self-sufficiency, <laughs> that illusion is, is, is being shattered. And yet, what I want you to see in all this chaos for this guy Naaman, look at the sovereign grace of God who's working to heal and save his enemy. Right? Life stinks now. This is, this is strange and hard, but even if you don't know the God of the Bible, I mean, that's one of the things this is telling you. He's still working on your behalf, trying to get your attention. So first thing you see, it says, all of his success came from the Lord. The Lord gave him the victories. Naaman's picture and understanding of religion was that everybody had their own God Every nation had their own God, and those gods only had power in particular places. You know, ancient gods didn't cross borders or work in other nations. They stayed local. But what he didn't know is that the God of Israel is the maker of heaven and earth, whose sovereign power and will stretches across borders across the world. And when you look at that line in the text that the Lord gave him the victories, um, you're saying that all of his success, all the good things he has, is a gift from our God. All the good things you have, all the money, power, success, and comfort you have is a gift from the God of Israel, uh, the Father of Jesus Christ. Right. And so if you, if you really stop and let that sink in, this young girl who has been kidnapped and that's working for Naaman's wife is part of God's sovereign will working through evil for Naaman's good. Right. God is that, that has that much power and control, which, which helps, I find, great comfort in. Right. So maybe it's a good place for you to stop and pause and think about what you're grateful for, what you have. Ordinary, our ordinary money, power, comfort, and success. I mean, they're all good gifts from a generous God who's abounding in generosity, who doesn't play favorites. He pours rain on the just and unjust, as Jesus taught us. And for us as Christians, we can look back and see that. 
even before these moments, God has been working to take care of us. And even in the past, it's, he used trouble to get our attention. And it's also helpful to stop and, and realize that as we anxiously wonder what will happen when the coronavirus dust settles, this is telling you because God gave name and these victories that he, God has been taking care of us for decades and often when we had no idea. Right? Naaman has no clue at this point in the story that he is being provided for through his own evil actions. Right? So find great comfort. God's care doesn't stop when our lives hit the fan and we go through trouble. In fact, these stories are written in the scriptures to show us that his care is often the most personal and most helpful when we go through trouble. So you can give thanks to the God who has given you success, health, money, power, comfort. They come from the Lord. Right, here's the second part of Naaman's trouble. Right? His success comes from the Lord, but then you see he, he's a leper. And this is his particular trouble. No amount of money or political power or social influence or any kind of his own religious rituals could fix him. As Pastor Tim Keller points out, Naaman had to see, like we all do, self-sufficiency is a lie. That's what I'm learning right now. I'm a sheep in need of a shepherd. I'm not in control. And this is how the God of the Bible often works to get our attention. It's through trials, through trouble. Money, power, success, uh, comfort, doing what we want, they're, they're good things. Uh, they, they can be wonderful gifts from God. But as my own anxiety, and I'm sure yours, reveals, they make poor God substitutes. And so God works through trouble. Because it really does. It often takes hitting rock bottom for our ears to hear God to speak to us. It takes trouble for our eyes to see that God is and has been taking care of us. Um, when you run into your own inability to control things right, that's, that's showing us that we need to see and learn and believe that there is a hope outside of us and our abilities and our gifts and our talents that there's something outside of this world the living god the maker of heaven and earth right, that, that's why c.s lewis would say pain insists upon being attended to god whispers to us in our pleasures speaks in our consciences but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And often we're just so busy, it's, it's a challenge to hear him. Right? So I wanna make sure you hear me accurately. Right? Leprosy, disease, the coronavirus, these things are not how, how things ought to be. It's a result of the fall. It's the result of the fall that happened back in Genesis right, is, is death. And, and disease is directly connected to our bodies that fail and falter on the journey towards death. And what God does is he uses this natural evil of disease and our lack of control to get our attention. That's what he's doing to Naaman. Even the worst things can be a tool in a sovereign God's gracious toolbox. As they make clear, my mortality, our mortality, and that we need divine help and aid. Because this isn't how things ought to be. It's okay to lament. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be frustrated. 
This is not how God in intended the world to be. But what the story of Naaman shows us is that, that the God we have and need is a God who has the power over life and death itself. So if in our case, if we hit rock bottom, if we get sick, right, living in the shadow of death is not good. But at the same time, this is the place where God works. His resurrection, healing, forgiving his enemies. This is, this is God's cup of tea. This is where he works. This is how he makes people alive. This is where he loves to get involved. So if you're looking for a place to stand in this chaos, look at the character of this sovereign and gracious God who is able to work through disease and even kidnapping. Right? He uses natural moral evil to work for the good of this one pagan general who is quite literally God's enemy. Right? He's safe. It's all over the Old Testament. This, this God of Israel is a refuge, a fortress, a shield, a place you can run to for safety. And I don't know what God will do through this pandemic and this frustrating social distancing, but what we do see in this story is that God loved Naaman, loves Naaman, even before Naaman knew it. And that gives me hope <laughs> that the God who was and is and who is to come is the same God who loves us and is working for us, and maybe even working for people who do, the Naamans out there who do not yet know Jesus and the power and hope of his resurrection. Right? Because it, as you get to the end of the story, you see with his physical healing, then comes spiritual healing. He starts to get to know this God of Israel, the maker of heaven and earth, and also restores him socially. He gets to go home. Right? Not what he expected, but this is how God took him on this journey to, to learn to seek his face. So when you, where do you stand when you're, you're in trouble? Well, cry out for help from the maker, to the maker of heaven and earth. He hears our cries. Second point, Naaman's healing here. We've, we've seen his trouble and how God works through trouble to get our attention. Look at how God heals Naaman. This is, this is the most beautiful part, and will we'll take us to the gospel. The slave girl is just a child. My, my picture, my guess, is somewhere between 8 and 12. But she sees Naaman's sickness, her master, her kidnapper, quite possibly literally the man who killed her parents, right? which tells you a lot about the character and guilt of Naaman. Uh, he, he kidnapped a child. It's a moral horror. I mean, even Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, would say it's better for a man to have a millstone around his neck and dropped into the sea than to harm a child. Naaman is not innocent in his disease. Which, when you put that in perspective, it helps you see the shocking amount of forgiveness and grace and pity that this little girl is showing when she says to her what to her mistress would that my lord were with the prophet who was in samaria he would cure him of his leprosy that's astounding so i want to be clear the slave girl really is the hero of this story a slave girl has been through horrific trouble 
<laughs> horrific trials. I mean, just a, a little girl. At some point in Jewish history, this became an ordinary prayer, or at least a part prayer prayed by uh, ancient Hebrew believers. They would say, thank you, God, that you didn't make me an animal, that I'm human. Thank you, God, that you made me man, male, not a female. And thank you for making me a Jew, not a Gentile. And thank you that I'm free and not a slave. It puts this picture in perspective. This young slave girl is the hero of the story who's showing the power of the gospel of God as, as, a, as a slave, as a woman, as a Gentile. The God who works through trouble is the same God whose kingdom flips all of our expectations upside down. So think about this. She's showing us the power of having a hope beyond your current circumstances and troubles. She, what it looks like to have emotional resources to hope and work for the healing, even of people that drive you crazy. Right? Social distancing, we could be stuck in the house for a long time with the same people. Right? In this case, she is working for the good of her evil tyrant master. Where did she learn that? I mean, for me, it's not hard to see her as, as this young girl, maybe it was taught by her parents, the story of Joseph from the book of Genesis. The Joseph who went through horrific suffering, was thrown into slavery, sold into slavery by his brothers, falsely accused, thrown in prison, and eventually through God's mean ended up in power in Egypt. And those same brothers who talked of killing him, who sold him into slavery, who lied to their father, who caused a lifetime of misery for Joseph. When famine hit worldwide, they showed up in Egypt. And Joseph all of a sudden found himself in power to make their lives miserable. He could have, he could have sought vengeance, except he didn't. He had the power to harm, and Joseph chose reconciliation, healing, and forgiveness. At the end of the story, he took the place of a servant, not a tyrant. And these are the words he said to his brothers who were terrified that Joseph is going to get back at them, especially after their father died. And, and what Joseph said to his brothers is they're still manipulating, trying to get him to forgive. He says, what you meant for evil, you who kidnapped me, sold me into slavery. God meant it for good. The slave girl is in the same position like Joseph. She has the power here to stay silent, to say, well, serves him right. I hope he rots in hell. Maybe his nose will fall off. <laughs> or whatever little girls would say in, the, in anger. But instead, she forgives and she does good. I wish he knew the prophet in Samaria who could heal his trouble. And just, just hear the, the power of this. One commentator helped me this way. He said, Naaman is a tyrant. This is logic, right? Naaman is a tyrant. Tyrants are sinners. Sinners are slaves to sin. Therefore, Naaman, this great man, power, money, success, comfortable, is a slave to sin. 
And so the irony here is that Naaman looks successful. It seems like he's in control. It seems like he's the master, but it turns out Naaman is the slave. And this little girl who's enslaved, who's suffering, she's free, free to love, free to serve, free to forgive. She's working for the good of her racial and political and personal enemy. Naaman starts off strong, but he is weak, and the slave girl looks weak. But in God, with God with her, she's strong. So God works through this little girl. The way he works is, is just otherworldly. <laughs> if you take you could take the time and think it through about how she demonstrates all the fruit of the Spirit. Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, doing good to all. That's the kind of attitude we need right now, is it not? I mean, I read a great article this week about the hardship of what we're facing in the West and all over the world, but it's particularly here in America, we have been telling everyone, you are the master of your fate, you are the captain of your soul, you do you. And the hard part for us now, after being told, do whatever you want, as long as you don't hurt people, for the sake of love of strangers, for the love of the elderly, for the love of one another and our neighbors, we need to restrict our freedom, right? And then there's all over the news of people who don't want to. We need this kind of emotional freedom that the slave girl has in the midst of trouble. The strength to be willing to forgive, to be willing to suffer for someone else's sake, to serve people, even people that are driving us nuts, to work for their, their physical well-being, and even for their spiritual health as well. So what about you? Do you have that kind of emotional freedom, that kind of God-given strength to, to carry on in trouble, the strength to live as one who is more than a conqueror, as it says in Romans? even if you've been conquered, like this little girl? Are you able to love in the midst of trouble, to patiently serve in adversity? Where did she get this from? She is a daughter of the God of Israel, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who set her free. Where do we get that freedom? Well, we have to look to another slave, one who came centuries later. And this little girl is a portrait, a, a Jesus moment, a, a picture of what's to come. Only this slave, Jesus, volunteered to serve his enemies, to serve you, to serve me. And he did so out of love. And this slave, Jesus, didn't consider power and comfort and equality with God something to, to, to be clung to. He emptied himself taking upon himself the form of a slave, born in the likeness of men, just like us, and was obedient even to death on a cross. It's Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the maker of heaven and earth, who loves his enemies, even you, even me. And it's that he said, I came not for those who are well, but for those who are sick, not for the righteous, the goody two-shoes who don't think they need this good news, <laughs> for sinners. So when you, when you look at Jesus, the slave, the servant, who loved us even unto death, 
It's showing you this, the character of God who works through natural and moral evil for our good. Right? Why was Jesus crucified as the innocent one? It was due to the evil done to him. Even as he cried out, forgive them for they know not what they do. Nothing about it looked good. It didn't feel good in the moment at all. He cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is, this is hell. This is torture. And yet three days later, the resurrection from the dead happened. God vindicated him, showed him to be, truly be the, the only perfect man who was unjustly killed. And we have this historical bodily resurrection from the dead that shows us that what we mean for evil and what we do that is evil, God can work and will work for our good. See, that, that's, that's what's so good about the gospel. It gives us a confidence that God can work through our trouble to heal us, not just our physical sickness, but our grumpiness, our frustration at not being in control, our spiritual healing, our, our ability to respond to trouble. Not just like this young girl, but like, but like the Lord who loved us. That's why Paul would say in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and following, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. That's Naaman's story. He didn't even know it at that time. Romans keeps going, say, for those that God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed, to be changed into the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Those he predestined, those he loved, he also called, those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, justified means accepted, and includes forgiveness, he also glorified. Those things go right after our fears. <laughs> because right now, because, because God worked our evil for good through Jesus, we are told we are more than conquerors through Jesus who loves us. So right now, the obvious trouble, this is a conclusion here, the obvious trouble is the threat of weakness and sorrow and death, our own mortality from this virus. And I hope you can see that the, look at the confidence that those loved by Jesus are given. It's modeled, it's foreshadowed by this young girl, but it's God working for our good through Christ's death for us while we're enemies. And if he would do that, that gives us confidence to face anything this world can throw at us. Anything, famine, disease, distress, persecution, nakedness, sword. Paul says, I am sure of all this, more than we are more than conquerors through Jesus who loves us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so that's my encouragement for you this coming week. And, and however long this lasts, trust the God who worked for Naaman's good through Naaman's evil. It's the same God who worked for your good in Christ Jesus through our evil and rebellion and sin. And now if you're a Christian, we live every moment of our lives under the reign of God's sovereign, good, and wonderful grace, and that same power works for our good through our faith in Christ Jesus. What do you do? Well, this young slave girl gives us a great picture of how God's love and faithfulness can work together when life stinks for others. 
Just keep doing the next thing. Small things to say or do. We serve. We serve as if we were to serve the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I mean, this, this young slave girl loved her. Well, she loved her evil tyrant master and obeyed him really in many ways, like it was God himself. So maybe sometimes you're going to need to use words and say, would you know a prophet who would tell you about hope? Let me tell you about Jesus and the power of his resurrection. Words help, especially the scriptures. But we're also called to work to do good for everyone, especially those of the household of faith, and be willing to just patiently sacrifice and serve for their good. Maybe phone calls, it may be prayer, it may be fetching groceries, it may be sharing funds as, as everybody's wallets get tight in the coming days. But the, the final comfort is, is, is this. Even if everything goes sideways and we hit rock bottom and we are in the depths of trouble and trial, and even if we were to get sick, it turns out sickness and death is the place where Jesus went to ensure our resurrection. He says, trust me. Trust him, because that faith is for your good, and you will, you will be changed in ways you cannot yet imagine. Let's pray. Well, Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for uh, Naaman and this slave girl who shows us a little picture of the gospel even before Jesus came. And I pray for everyone that you would, you would be a refuge, a fortress. You would keep us healthy. You would keep us safe and that you would teach us to love one another as Christ loved us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That is all. I'll, I'll say a benediction. Uh, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. And we will see you next week. Take care. Thanks, Nate. You're welcome. Well done. Thank you.